0: You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you far too kind. Oh, you guys are a hell of a duet here.
1: Why'd you start harmonizing?
0: Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need you
1: Because lobsters live for over 100 years.
0: Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise.
1: That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. Live from New York, it's
0: Saturday Night
1: <laughs> It's Saturday Night Live.
0: With Fred Anderson. Rachel Grant. Will Porte, Daryl Hammond, Seth Myers, Chris Carnell. Shosan, featuring Vanessa Mitchell, Rob Riggle, Dean Thompson, musical guest Scissor Sisters, and your host, Colin Farrell. It's Above the Title with musical guests. Cole, and your host, Connor. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor. Oh, Woo! <laughs> Studio that... <laughs> 8-H applause. <Woo! laughs>
1: that was, when you said you were going to do a bit, that was not what I why did you choose that it's why didn't this- you just yell live from colorado it's it's uh wednesday night or I thursday night it. what day is it i don't even
0: know anymore. i like doing don pardo <laughs> impressions oh man oh.
1: starring cole <laughs> and just- connor it'd be so much funnier if he just did the first names no, it I would be know. a million times funnier if it was just the first names.
0: <laughs> this is gonna be a weird one today. He kind of sounds
1: like the guy who used to do the Yankee Stadium uh call outs when people would like get
0: up to bat. Um, maybe he is. Hold on, yeah. No, he was just a big NBC guy. He passed away. No, no, no. I know it wasn't the yeah. same guy. That yeah. guy, that you guy, know-
1: I re- if you If you were to say the other guy's name, I would okay. recognize it immediately. Yeah,
0: You. you um, know who does that now, right on SNL because Don Pardo passed away in 2014 Daryl I... Hammond oh really because Daryl Hammond is such a good impressionist. Daryl Hammond has like a pretty good Don Pardo. so he's been doing it ever since. uh Don. Uh, Don Pardo died. Carol
1: Hammond's allegiance loyalty to Saturday Night Live is something that like I, I will never understand we'll entirety. get
0: into it. Connor, <laughs> tell the people what they're listening to. Hey,
1: everybody, this is above the title. Your podcast coming straight to you about the state of the 21st century movie star. We're looking at the career of Colin Farrell and. um, We've done only movies up until this point, we haven't done any television. Yeah. We've only done movies. We're gonna we take the of... leap into television. Are we doing uh, like True Detective? No. Are we doing? What are you talking uh... about? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean this this episode. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are 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 we doing some kind of narrative, uh, you know, narrative fictional television series? No, we are doing Colin Farrell's Saturday Night Live episode from two thousand and four. I think it was early December. Yes, right? It
0: is. Yes. Hold on, let me pull this up because I have this. Written down somewhere and then I closed The documents Yes this is The 7th episode Of season 30 of Saturday Night Live It aired titled December Colin Farrell
1: and Scissor Sisters. the Scissor Sisters yes, Who I just how... do not know
0: of We can talk about it Never um, heard of ever <laughs> Very good band um, Yes this is the December 11th 2004 Episode of Saturday Night Live Let me clear the air because Connor's Really mad at me <laughs> Connor is upset because Connor has watched this three times now for some godforsaken reason. I wanted to do this episode of Saturday Night Live for two big reasons. The first is that I think if we're, if we're interested in this big picture question of like movie stardom and what movie stardom means, I actually do think that hosting SNL is a big part, especially the 21st century, of being a movie star. Because it's a skill that people are expected to have. You know what I'm saying? Look,
1: let me interject. I'm not angry that you wanted (laughs) to cover SNL. I'm (laughs) angry that this specific episode of SNL is maybe the worst episode of SNL I've ever seen. It's real. It's a
0: (laughs) real stick. You know what? I I actually think there's some good stuff in the back half. Um, But I, I do think like, We expect celebrities to be good at this job of stepping into sketch comedy. And often a lot of them are. And sometimes it's the thing that like brings them to the A-list. Like Justin Timberlake was always big, but the reason Justin Timberlake is capital JTJT is because SNL like pushes him over that final hump. Because right. He put that dick in the box, man. He put the dick in the box, and then he had future sex, love sounds, and he fucking ruled the world. Uh, you know which one I love?
1: Ruined music criticism. I love um, I love uh, the um, the the Bee Gees guy.
0: Yes, the Barry Gibb what talk show. It. Yeah, the Barry Gibb talk show. So I I think it's important if we're having this big picture conversation to like factor in the SNL of it all. The other reason is I kind of just de facto assumed Colin Farrell would be a good SNL host because. He is such a good interviewee, right? He is so good at the other aspects of the press machine in a way that I feel traditionally translates to people being good at hosting Saturday Night Live because I do think it's a similar skill set. And I was always kind of baffled by the fact that he'd only hosted the show once when everything about the guy makes him seem like he'd be a perennial host. And he was so good when Brendan Gleeson hosted Last year, and he showed up for a couple sketches to promote Banshees, right? He was yeah. really fucking good. I understand now why Colin Farrell only hosted SNL once, right? He's clearly, I mean, okay, so he's doing this during the
1: press run of, of Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. I think he's clearly been partaking in some illicit activities, like
0: the, think- the days
1: before and the immediate days after of filming this episode of Saturday Night Live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone does. That's the thing about SNL. Um, But we'll get into it. I think think the best way to do this, Connor, and this is not normally how we approach this show, I think we should kind of just run through sketch by sketch. Okay. uh, Can I try to title them? Because I I, I have bullets written down. Did you watch this on Peacock? I did, yeah. Yeah, I also watched this on Peacock. Um, As with most, I believe, all of Saturday Night Live, um, complete episodes of Saturday Night Live are not available and have never been available in legal markets because of rights issues. Um, it is like quietly one of the great tragedies of contemporary media archiving that one of the I'm going to go into one of like the five or ten most important American TV shows of all time, regardless of what you think of it. I think that's it, fair. Yeah. Is like doesn't exist in complete form, and I hope. Somehow at NBC, they do have that rectified for whenever public domain shit hits, because the, the fact that you see even this episode, which is more complete than a lot of episodes, it still is missing. It is missing both musical performances from the Scissor Sisters, and it is also missing like three sketches in total. So we did watch an abbreviated version of this sucker. Um, the I Scissor watched Sisters? the full one. You did? In November. Oh, you the- did? With the musical that's um, insane. Interludes.
1: I don't think there's
0: any sketches missing. I found a write-up of this episode oh, that suggested maybe the one that there
1: I watched was still a, edited. A
0: somehow. couple missing sketches. Um, let me see if I can find this here. I had it. Someone some fan had written like a, a fan recap of the episode. And yes, everybody,
1: I watched this episode over Thanksgiving with my mom because it was on TV at three in the afternoon
0: months, (laughs) months before we had talked about.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and uh, uh, I why pick this one to rerun? I have absolutely no idea. Probably (laughs) that boggles me more than anything else. If
0: it was over Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know what? I'm wrong. There's only one sketch missing um oh, from okay. this one so this is more complete than most it's just missing the musical acts and it's missing a fred armison brown face sketch uh no yes great
1: i loss. what's the
0: description of that sketch the brown it's, face one it appears that fred armison is like a mexican talk show host interviewing yes yes and colin plays bono which should be fun yeah um So I think that one
1: might be the best sketch of the episode. Interesting.
0: All the I mean, I don't like Fred Armisen anyway, but all the Fred Armisen brownface stuff that he got up to on the show. Very strange. um, So just to just to like frame the show for the listeners before we get into it. This is this is the cast of this season of SNL. It's Fred Armisen, Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey, Will Forte, Daryl Hammond, Seth Meyers, Chris Parnell, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, and Horatio Sands. And then Finesse Mitchell, Rob Riggle, and Keenan Thompson are down in uh, feature players. I so can't believe I, you didn't do the voice right there. Oh my God, When I should have done the fucking voice. <laughs> you should have done the voice. I think of this as like the last, or maybe that close to last season of this era of SNL uh, and this like team of SNL, even if it's not a full takeover with the Kristen Wiig, Jason Sudeikis, Bill Hader, Andy yes. Samberg era of SNL, really, I think starting the next year, or the year after. So this From is- From what
1: I understand, it cannot be overstated how much Andy Samberg's writing and him bringing in his friends to write on the, show, the changed, show changed just the nature of the comedy that they were aiming to achieve. Um, I believe believe he literally gets hired the next season. Yeah, I think so, um, because
0: Lazy Sunday is in 2006, and that really makes him the center point. But I think a lot of these people are very funny. Some of these people are not funny, but Fallon and Farrell, who I feel feel like are the two real big A-listers, have left the cast by this point, and this feels like they're running on fumes of that. Era of SNL because so many of them are about to go leave to go do 30 Rock, too, yeah. is the thing. Um, and I like most of these people, and also Fred Armors and Horatio Sands are there. Um, and Bobby Moynihan's also not there. Moynihan hasn't shown up yet, yeah. But that's... I also
1: think it's very, it's not talked about enough how much Bobby Moynihan changed Saturday Night Live, too. Moynihan's they could just use him. He was like a Swiss army knife for all the the strange sketches that that the writers wanted. That's
0: true. Well, I noticed watching this episode, it is my firm belief that Keenan Thompson is the all-time number one SNL MVP. And it's partially the fact that he's been on the show for like so much of its runtime. It is also partially the fact that you watch him in this episode when I think this is his second season. You watch him now. He is like, un he is an <laughs> unchanged, pure comic genius. And I don't want to,
1: you know, I don't want to steal your mojo from you, but I'm yeah. going to use your term. W- watching Keenan Thompson show up for like a sketch that's marginally funny after watching Horatio Sands be like the worst Saturday Night Live sketch comedy performer in the history of the medium yeah. like you you're immediately like Keenan Thompson's got the juice man Kenan he's got the Thompson juice
0: yeah has the juice By by this point he has been doing sketch comedy for like a decade is the thing right he's so young but and he's only he was like a 23 child's... or 24 I, I think. know yeah. but he's got the all that in Keenan and Kel and didn't he even do a little mad tv I think uh, he did there? um I yeah. think
1: he did the uh Amanda show
0: he did the Amanda I show think he did a little bit um, of the Amanda show but there was – like you say that about Bobby Moynihan being a Swiss Army knife. I think the strength of Keenan is that he is a Swiss Army knife, and you can plug him into any any sketch, and he's always going to make it better. There was a profile of him written like five or so years ago, I think, where maybe Lauren sa- – I think maybe Lauren said this or one of the writers said this, but they said throughout the entire tenure of the show, we always knew we could just write the two words – Keenan reacts into a script and the sketch was going to land because he's that much of a fucking pro. Um, I got, got so excited juice. when I realized he was in this episode because I knew uh, everything was good. This is not a good episode of Saturday Night Live.
1: No. And and as we'll probably talk about, they don't know how to use Maya Rudolph yet either. Yeah, um, Amy Poehler also kind of has the juice, but I don't think Tina Fey hitting at all.
0: throughout. This no, episode. Tina yeah. gets better. So this episode starts off really, really poorly. Uh, like maybe, oh, truly, I think the worst sketch of the night is. If you had to title this sketch, why would you title it? I wrote. I wrote down Rumsfeld uh, Q and I wrote down soldiers so poor. Sure, soldiers um, so poor. That's so the that's opening sketches. The opening sketch of this episode, as is often the case with SNL, it is a political sketch. It is. Daryl Hammond is Donald Rumsfeld, like, holding, like, a press conference for soldiers in Kuwait as they, like, bug him about how underfunded they are. SNL political satire is a thing they always like to do, and I don't know that they've ever truly been good at it, right? Except for maybe Tina Fey, Sarah Palin. That really feels like the window.
1: Tina Fey, Sarah Palin, um, Will Ferrell, George W. Bush – uh, which I, I don't even remember really. Um, I just think it's like it's so iconic his Bush impression.
0: Yes. Yeah. But this this is just like the soldiers say that they're like underfunded and they make some like wacky exaggeration about how underfunded they are. And then Hammond as Rumsfeld is just like nothing I can do about it. And it just does that for yeah. five minutes. It's so wooden.
1: Prominently featuring Rob Riggle, who was a Marine, I'm, I'm pretty
0: sure. I did not know that.
1: I'm pretty. Yeah, let me look it up right now because I didn't look it up, but I, I'm I'm fairly certain he was a Marine before he became a he was uh, he was that's crazy.
0: Comedian. Yeah.
1: Um, Which yeah, is just, like kind of wildly disrespectful that they're making him do this.
0: this I sketch. guess yeah. Rob Riggle, <laughs> Rob Riggle, who's going to do this one season on SNL and then leaves to go be on The Daily Show. Uh, yeah, where he's he, they know also him Anchorman. Use, like yeah, right obviously away, yeah. They are oh, no, not Anchorman. Step Brothers. Yeah. Um is he an Anchorman? He I might think be. He is isn't he? I think he is. He might. They be. know how to use him on the Daily Show. You understand why he only did a season on SNL because they have nothing to do with him. <laughs> um This sketch though, I'm gonna place the blame for this sketch on Daryl Hammond, because he's playing it so small. You know what I mean? Like, it almost feels like he's it, trying yeah. to give, like, an acting performance in a Rumsfeld biopic, and that's not the job. And that's kind of the curse of Daryl Hammond, is that he can take the impressions too seriously sometimes. Any I think, juice... yeah,
1: I think when you're watching this, you can see that he's doing things, which is almost like a nod to, like, impression aficionados as, like, yeah. wow, look at this tick he picked up for yeah. Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> Nobody knows. But it's, <laughs> and it's... so and it doesn't there's there's like no purpose to it in the in the sketch there's nothing funny about it
0: but there's there's no real purpose to the sketch either cuz i think no 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 i think the problem with snl's political humor
1: again this, the sketch is soldiers going like it starts off with soldiers saying we don't have armor plating and rumso being like well that's pretty bad mm-hmm. and then it literally like snowballs into a guy being like we haven't gotten pants yet and i think it's um finesse mitchell just standing there yeah. with no pants on and then it's rachel Dratch being like i'm a canadian tourist who is trying who to open up a bank account who is kidnapped and sent to iraq
0: drach kind of sells it you forget yeah. I-, I was watching that, I was like we really undervalue drach as like a good like sells yeah, what the hell's the going on with shit? her in this one also like i don't know man the 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 show is in free i mean this is the thing that always happens with snl is like the cast stay on a little too long and fresh blood needs to come in um the problem with snl political humor is like it's so toothless because they don't want to offend anybody so the sketch has no real point behind i wish we funded our brave troops more and You're kind of left being like, well, this was just there to kill some time. Uh, You got anything more to say about that? Do you know the?
1: Have you seen the episode that follows this episode? I have not. Do you know who the host of that episode is? Uh, In the musical act?
0: Can I take a guess? Yeah. I'm going to guess that it's Robert De Niro and Destiny's child. It is Destiny's child. Is this Um, the episode with the worst SNL sketch of all time? Hold on.
1: Well, I was going to ask if you be. know I was going to ask if you know what the cold open to that episode is.
0: Is it UN Weapons Inspectors?
1: I can't. I don't. I. I it's not called that. Um, so I think then you're I'm... not thinking of the one that I'm Okay.
0: No, 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 no. UN it also, Weapons Inspectors It also is...
1: begins with Daryl Hammond doing Donald Rumsfeld Ugh. at a press conference. And then it cuts to uh, they bring in De Niro who's a general and it's it's a joke where he's reading off names of uh terrorists who are on, like, the wanted list, but they're all puns.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Two years, two years, in 2002, Niro, I truly think this is the worst SNL sketch of all time. In 2002, De Niro also hosted, and they did a sketch called UN Weapons Inspectors, which was like, do you, okay, do you remember this? Are you old enough to remember the Weapon Inspector drama? No, I don't think so. When we went to invade Iraq, right? Oh, we needed...
1: like I, I like the actual. I thought you were talking yes. about SNL. No, yes, no, no, I'm talking I, about the, I, so.
0: yeah, the, we, the, WMD, the WMD,
1: the whole WMD debacle. When
0: we went to invade Iraq, we said that the Hussein regime in Iraq had weop- were building weapons of mass destruction, and the Hussein regime said no, and they were like, "Let the United Nations send inspectors in, and they will see that we are not building anything." And inspectors came in and. They were like, they're not building anything. And the U.S. went on this whole propaganda thrust about how the U.N. were idiots who didn't know what they were talking about. And the CIA and the U.S. military knew what they were talking about. Right. The U.N. was, of course, correct because there were no weapons of mass destruction being constructed in Iraq. In 2002, there's an SNL sketch with Jimmy Fallon and Robert De Niro as UN weapons inspectors. And they get like an eighties TV show style, like opening credit sequence. And then it's literally just that they walk up, knock on Saddam's door. And they're like, you got any weapons back there? He says no. And then they're like, okay. And then it rolls credits. And it's like, if, if SNL (laughs) politics has a point, it is actually like, never offend the people in charge.
1: Remember when Remember when the election happened in
0: 2016? I do. Oh, my God. And it
1: began with just Hillary playing the piano. The worst.
0: Playing yeah. fucking... Ho- I think Donald Trump literally fucking hosted Saturday Night Live. That, that's the yeah. thing. You don't get to do that if you have... He hosted Saturday Night Live and he danced to Drake. Yeah. Go. Yeah. That might... Okay. Sorry. That might be the worst SNL sketch. The, the Donald Trump dancing to Drake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So so the
1: following episode begins with this De De Niro sketch where it's like them just joking about how hard uh, Arab names are to pronounce.
0: Um, Yeah,
1: and then it turns into like he's like, we're like the last one is a man. It's Schmelly Fards is the name of the guy. Z-M-E-L-L-I F-A-H-R-D-Z and then they're like, we're looking for an IRA member named Pat McGroin and then they're like, we're mm. looking for this other guy named Harrison Patrick Ness, aka Harry Penis, and they it just keeps that. going and going and going.
0: Yeah, they do that. They've done that more recently, but they've taken like the racial element out of it. I think it's funny when they've done it recently. Like they, they have a recurring sketch where like a disaster happens at like the name change office, and so the news keeps reading out like the names of people who are trying to get the name change. Those, yeah. Those are good. Those are funny. Yeah. We're gonna loop back around to that. I really feel like. SNL almost is at its strongest when it is just reciting funny words, and that's the sketch. And <laughs> yeah, we'll come is. back to that.
1: That's what makes the celebrity Jeopardy exactly. So funny. Yeah. Next up, we have Colin's monologue. Um, yeah, which I dub the um the Frank T J Mackey
0: monologue. It's a little just... Frank T J Mackey. <laughs> They're so, basically so want, like, I, do it, just do it. <laughs> I want to talk about Colin in this monologue because it's so interesting you had said you think he's not sober during the shoot and i agree i think more so though the issue is that this is 2 weeks after alexander comes out and we talked about this on the alexander episode that that was supposed to be the coronation right yes he yeah. books this which is episode- the idea
1: yeah which is the idea of him being on this episode is that this episode is going to launch him into his campaign
0: run for an exactly. academy award but yeah. he's doing this I don't think I said this on the podcast, that movie opened at number six, right? Opened at 2,500 screens, opened at number six. So even two weeks later, everyone knows Alexander has colossally flopped. And Colin comes out and he immediately makes a joke about how like how excited he is to be promoting Alexander. And it's like ironic. And you can tell he's like kind of a little upset that he has to be out here flogging Alexander, right?
1: Yeah. Because this is supposed to be a moment of glory for him. And it's, and it's turned nuts. into an ironic thing where I think they clearly had to like rewrite a lot of the show as well because just every single thing is about him being attractive and sleeping with a lot of yeah. people. That's and they're the not like referencing thing. his life as an actor at all, as like a
0: serious, yeah. he's not a
1: serious, he is not treated as a serious actor. And they episode. don't
0: know what to do with him at all. There are a couple sketches where I think interesting he he does stuff interesting but most of these sketches he's just supposed to be a hot straight man like not straight isn't heterosexual but like straight isn't the straight man in the sketch um and i don't think i mentioned this on the episode but a thing i was struck by when watching home at the end of the world is how much the performance he gives at home at the end of the world feels like the origin of kind of how he ends up being in comedies later in his career. Yeah, Do you get what I'm saying?
1: You did say that. I did say that. I'm not sure I see it as much as
0: you do. Um, In in Bruges feels like the obvious one, but I feel like a lot of the Colin Farrell comedic persona is playing this like almost doe-eyed innocence who can like clash up against the more harder edged movie. And I don't know if he hasn't figured that out yet or... The writers just don't care. But I know Colin Farrell can be funny. And he's very rarely funny in this episode. The other... But nobody's funny in this episode. Not... Rudolph is very funny in this episode. And Keenan is very funny in this episode. The other thing is, I don't know if you got the same... He feels like he is both loose and stiff at the same time. Like, do you get what I'm saying in this episode?
1: Yeah, I think they're just... I think, like colin's funny colin is um yeah when he's comedic in films that he's comedic in uh it's a very he he's comedic in in um what am i trying to say they they never give him moments where he's 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 duoing with another comedian yeah if you understand what i'm saying yeah. like there's no fun with dialogue there's a little bit of that actually in the Bonno sketch that's not included in the in the Peacock. I,
0: I, we'll episode. get to it. I think yeah. the window washer sketch like works.
1: Marginally, yes. I yes. think that's the best one in this episode.
0: I have a different pick for best in show, but that's best maybe, use of comedy. Yeah. I think he's really 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 uncomfortable with the cue cards because his physicality is so is so like locked in in every sketch basically. You know what I'm saying? Like he knows yeah. how to move, he knows how to like react to people. Like he gets the space really well. He can't deliver a punchline. And I think it's the cue cards, truly. I think you can see him straining to catch them. It's a weird demand, but I he's guess what not I guess what I was trying to it
1: is like there's an aspect to him where he wants to be treated almost like as a vaudevillian entertainer but the show yes. itself is not treating him in that manner yeah where like he wants to be treated in a way that like hugh jackman was treated at that academy awards that he hosted yes. and that's kind of like oh. what colin skills as a performer like Should lead colin to i don't know Ferrell you know he can't sing obviously in that one movie colin
0: right Farrell <laughs> host
1: the academy awards connor I don't think it's a terrible idea, especially not nowadays. Um, But you get what I'm saying? We're like, he's Colin is that type of like old school, old school entertainer. At least he has those skills um, the way he can like just like captivate like attention. um, in in a very compelling way, and and this show like. This episode just boils it to be like just talk about how many women you sleep with. Just talk okay. about being attractive.
0: Yeah. Th- this mon- I almost turned it off during this monologue. <laughs> the monologue Also, if we are if we are saying that they don't know what to do with him, this is one of those monologues that is not a monologue, it is a sketch. Yeah. Because the bit is that immediately all the other male cast members like swarm the stage and are like, "How do you get so much pussy, it? And he pulls a woman up from the audience so they can practice hitting on her. And they, it's Lindsay. They pull, he pulls a woman. Yeah. Well, he and, he and it's Lindsay. It's it's Lindsay Lohan who has just turned eighteen, and we are in <laughs> like the height of Lindsay mania. Of which I am sorry, SNL was a big offender when it came to being like creepy about teenage Lindsay Lohan. Uh so the sketch is just all the guys hitting on Lindsay Lohan and Colin like giving them advice. He's the pickup artist. It's pickup. It's yeah. bad enough that it's a pickup artist sketch. It is worse when you know that one of the men on those stage has been accused by multiple women of like emotional cruelty and abuse, and the other one has been accused of at this point in time sexually assaulting a teenager. <laughs> And that's Fred Armisen, and Horatio Sands, respectively. Yeah. So, so like so this gets, yeah. it, it's it's just I I wrote down Christ, I wrote down <laughs> Christ. It's rough. It ends with Colin making out with Lindsay Lohan. He's ten years older than her. It's just an embarrassing. Do we think they had interesting conversations? Because they're in like very Colin similar and places. Because they're in very similar places in their lives, right? Do you think As Lindsay like,
1: Lohan has had an interesting conversation with anybody?
0: Yes, I think Lindsay Lohan has had incredibly interesting conversations with Meryl Streep. Have you never seen a Prairie Home Companion?
1: No, I've never Lindsay seen Lohan her.
0: is like capital G great in a Prairie Home Companion.
1: I have seen her be fully loaded.
0: I no. have, have you seen the canyons, Paul? <laughs> the canyons. I have seen the canyons. <laughs> But but I'm just saying, like, Colin and Lindsay at this point are both, like, famous train wrecks, right? That's why I'm like, I wonder, do you think that they Yeah, and it made me
1: deeply uncomfortable because as we'll get to, the weekend update is, like, predicated on Lindsay Lohan being a public train wreck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, like, for all that, like, the tabloids had a fascination with Colin Farrell, like, he's the cool hero. She's, like almost the little girl who needs to be saved but they're doing the same shit right they're kind of the same person at this point in time he's obviously much older than she is but like it, it, it's how we view them um next sketch is a fucking rerun I don't know if you knew that
1: uh, uh the, tr- the 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 wait, wait 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 I have it written down yeah um Turlington's lower back tattoo remover
0: yeah that's it a rerun it's a rerun from the previous season, which tells me that this show, this this episode, did not go well. If they, Curlington's like over the in,
1: counter lobotomy,
0: that's what yeah. it felt like watching. It's, I think it's okay. It's it's a fake ad with, with the bit being that like all these like party women of the early two thousands got tramp stamps and now they're moms and then need to get them removed. Yeah, um, but it's two thousand four. Like it's, it's we <laughs> We're still yeah. in
1: mega tramp day No, because like, it it's hasn't...
0: a two thousand and three skit. It's from the year earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's even it's even worse. Uh, uh, I think here's what I think. Are you a 30 Rock guy? No. Okay. First of all, you should watch 30 Rock. Um, for the listeners out there with taste who have watched 30 Rock, what's <laughs> interesting about this skit is that Chris Parnell is playing the quack doctor who's like peddling this at-home tattoo removal that leaves you horribly scarred. It really feels like a dry run for the great character he played on – 30 Rock doctor, Leo Spachevin. He plays a Uh, crack
1: doctor on 30 Rock? He plays
0: like, he plays Tracy Jordan's like crack Hollywood doctor who will prescribe him like any drug he wants. And like, and and because 30 Rock is so silly, it's like, this guy isn't just a crack doctor. He like doesn't know what medical school is. He's like completely divorced from any like reality. It's a very, very good character. And you see Parnell kind of like figuring out the bit he's going to do better in 2 years on 30 rock the I joke is that. that the joke is that his name is dr spaceman but it's spelled dr spaceman like that's the initial joke
1: have you seen hot rod yeah yeah, yeah. he plays the yeah. am radio guy does he i saw it once i didn't he like plays much. he plays the guy who like owns an am radio station i think and he's just like pro am radio and he has a tattoo on his stomach i think of like a toddler No, I think it's of a dog pissing on television and FM radio. Like there's two streams of piss coming out of the dog. And one is going on television and the other one's going on FM radio. And I'll
0: never not think of that when I think of Chris Parnell. I love Chris Parnell, right? He's great. Like I like most of the people on this cast. I just don't think they're gelling without Fallon or Farrell. And I think you need... You need Sandberg and the Lonely Island guys to come in here and rejuvenate it just, the
1: show. It's just this this episode feels like they had no ideas. They had they no completely ideas. ran out of
0: ideas. Yeah. Speaking of no ideas, what would you call the next sketch?
1: The one after uh, uh, I just called this one "Big Cockroach."
0: Yeah. So <laughs> the premise of this one is that Colin Farrell has picked up Amy Fult- Polar and they're going back to his apartment. And he has a cockroach problem. And the cockroach problem is Horatio Sands in a cockroach outfit, like scurrying around and they have to deal with it. Okay. It got the biggest laugh of the episode for me. Um, which you no. can probably
1: guess. I, I laughed harder at, at other parts of the episode. but
0: Can you guess what, what made me laugh out loud? when he's spraying him with the air
1: freshener and then no, he's like that's oh that's a wait, terrible gag is...
0: <laughs> it's at one point Horatio Sands like scrawls behind a couch uh hidden from view from the camera and Colin grabs his shoe and he's like let me go take care of this and he walks behind the couch and he starts like pantomiming hitting the cuckers with his shoe and just a torrent of goo sprays up onto Colin as he's doing this that literally didn't make me laugh at all oh I, I love I it. it I is. always love people getting fucking slimed and shit. The problem is, it's the first joke in the sketch and the sketch goes on for like three more minutes.
1: But the same thing happens and we're like, even the window cleaning sketch, which I think is probably the best one in the show, also goes on too long in my opinion. They
0: all go on too long. Um, This really feels like a skit, like literally like, you could have told me this was any season of SNL. (laughs) They did the dude in a cockroach outfit skit. And I'm like, yeah, that's like a go-to SNL gag, right?
1: But you Yes know that's why I just titled it Big Cockroach because yeah. I feel like that's what The pitch was in the, in the Writers meeting earlier yeah. in the week Like but one here, of them was just like what about a big cockroach yeah. And more Michaels was like Sure fuck it It'll be the, the
0: premier sketch of our episode yeah. this week Here's the problem with the sketch And it's three problems First of all Colin has nothing to do Right? He gets sprayed with goo But there's no character for him to play He's mostly just reacting Point number two one of my Amy Poehler is doing one of my least favorite things that SNL does, which is that she's I, I call this the Mikey Day because this is what Mikey Day does on SNL. She is just like explaining how bizarre the scenario is. Right. Yeah. She's just like, I can't believe it. It's so big, which is like not. They funny. always they always do that. And it kills the joke. It kills immediately. the yeah. fucking joke. So you got two of the three people in the skit are not funny. And then the this problem skit- is.
1: This kid would be a hundred times funnier if they never acknowledged the fact that the cockroach is, is like a man in a cockroach. Exactly. Yeah. If it was just like,
0: <laughs> Jesus, let's get rid of that cockroach. And yeah. the joke gets funnier when like the closer they get to it, when he's like, I think it's dead. I'm going to flush it down the toilet. And they don't remark on that at all. He just can't move yeah. the cockroach.
1: No, I mean, to Funny. me, the funniest part is when is when she's like he's over in the corner he's alive and it's like yeah. where i don't see him. Exactly. In the corner but then she goes how do you not see him he's so big and it's like you're ruining yeah. the joke you're
0: ruining the other problem is Horatio making, Sands too literal horatio sands doesn't do anything as the cockroach other than be in the suit right the, do you disagree with me that he's maybe the worst
1: snl cast member i mean I, it, it is
0: it is so I, I, I so can't divorce it from like the accusations that he was like grooming teenage girls at SNL after parties, but like, yeah, he's really no,
1: even outside of that. I, I think what I'm saying. He's it's maybe like, maybe the worst. He yeah. might be, he's. Uh, he, well, he breaks in every skit he, and, I, I and I he like breaks breaking. in every skit. No, no, no. But he does yeah. it. He does it in ways that like completely derail skits that rely on the momentum
0: of what's happening. And he brings nothing beyond the costuming is the other thing.
1: Yes, like which was the, what I was going to bring up later. Yeah, There's the, a few a few skits after this I titled Carol the Fat Swinger. We'll get let's
0: get we'll get to we'll get, we'll get to, to
1: but I'll just say right now that if it's 2 years after this and they do the same sketch, if they do the same skit but it's uh Bobby Moynihan and not Horatio Sands it might actually be kind of a funny.
0: Sketch. 10%. Also yeah. I still think it's the funniest skit in the episode. Um It could be. Um, I don't know. I got to think. And at the end of this cockroach skit, though, the punchline is that they turn off the lights, then turn the lights back on. And now there are like three or four giant cockroaches. <laughs> and literally, Keenan Thompson just doing like a slow reaction as the cockroach before scurrying away is like a funnier bit of actual comedy performance. He's got the juice. Yeah. He's got if, the if, juice, man. If Keenan is playing this cockroach, the skitch is like firing because Keenan's going to do something with that. Sans isn't. You have anything more to say about the damn cockroach skit?
1: I wish they went a little. I wish they went a little harder with like the um, uh, screwball, like comedy, yes. physical comedy aspects of there being like a bunch of cockroaches and Colin trying to chase them around the room. Like, I wish, I wish that was the majority of the sketch. He's, which Colin seems very like interested in like doing that. Type he of has thing.
0: a yeah. very, very good sense, and this is the only real skit that like demonstrates it. He has a really, really good sense of how to move on the stage in relation to the cameras. Do you get what I'm saying?
1: I do, yes.
0: Um, Especially because Sands doesn't. Colin understands, like, crossing in front of, behind the furniture, moving, angling. Like, that's what I'm saying is, physically, he seems very engaged. I think your vaudeville comparison is, Well, I
1: I completely forgot that the sketch where he plays Bono was in this episode. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, he sings Vertigo in that sketch. And at one point he like moves up to the camera and he like opens so you could see like the inside of his mouth and the camera as he's yelling Vertigo. And um, I was just like, they have somebody who's capable of doing that. And then the opening monologue is just him teaching other men how to pick up women. And it's like, why don't you have a guy that's being touted as like the next the next european thespian and like let him do some like i don't know gene kelly type stuff like they do it with yeah. other actors they did it with um because they just want him joseph gordon hot. levitt they did it with i think they even let donald glover do something like that when well he hosted, okay
0: yeah the, the, the rumor i have always heard is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt said, "I'm only doing SNL if I can do my Donald O'Connor impression as my log. <laughs> so that's a different story. There. That's pretty funny, yeah.
1: But uh, do you have anything
0: else? Because the Snoop Dogg skit comes here. I'm sorry, the um, the 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 Bono skit comes here. Um, about the cockroaches? No, 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 no. After the cockroaches.
1: No, you're asking if I have anything else about the. Cockroaches? No,
0: do you have anything else you you remember that you want to say about this Fred Armisen Bono? skit because that's where it slots into the episode
1: no other than like they're letting Colin this was one of the sketches where like Colin actually gets to play a character and it -hmm. it was probably one of the better ones in the episode for that reason like there there are like three where he gets to play a character like an actual character and those are the best those are probably the skits that land the hardest
0: undeniably yeah speaking of Colin not getting to play a character the next episode in the edited version what do you call this one horny tsa horny tsa yeah
1: which again i just imagine in the pitch meeting somebody was like what about horny tsa
0: uh, okay apparently in my in my research apparently they had done this skit with sharon stone in 1997 (laughs) so apparently
1: sharon stone was the tsa agent no she
0: was the woman getting sexually harassed
1: that makes me extremely uncomfortable (laughs) i know well this (laughs) (laughs) The,
0: the joke is that colin farrell is going through TSA and Amy Poehler's the TSA agent and she like needs to stop him to do like a full body search and she's just like groping him and that's yeah, but it. I think there's a way that Amy Poehler pulls
1: it off that it actually there is like a little bit of It is pretty funny. Um, I don't think it's hilarious.
0: Okay. She's trying but like if I say like. It's because she's show, playing
1: it. She's playing it as like somebody who's not even trying to grope somebody for like sexual satisfaction, but as like a weird, a weird isolated loner who's trying to like simulate having like intimacy with another human being like, that's the way I that Amy guess. Fuller is playing it in this sketch, which when I think of it as like a man doing that to Sharon Stone, it, that makes me very yeah. like, yeah, I think about it's like Mike Myers doing that to Sharon Stone it makes me. Well, nervous.
0: If it was Mike Myers. Okay. If it was Mike Myers. He do some business. Well, who who was it? You know, I don't. Let me let me see. Sharon Stone, SNL, TSA.
1: There's a moment in this sketch where, so like the whole idea is like Colin steps through the metal detector and it goes off, and it's, she's like, "I have to pat you down." Yeah, um, it's
0: it's Kevin Neal and Dana Carvey, and Rob Schneider. That makes me so uncomfortable. Like that makes me her. so
1: uncomfortable. I don't like that um, at all. <laughs> um, Amy Poehler but, plays a TSA yeah. agent who needs to pat him down. And she's using it as an excuse to, like, put her hands on him in, in, yeah. in inappropriate ways. But there's a moment where Fred Armisen steps through the metal detector and it goes off. And he's like, do you have to pat me down? And she's like, OK, she just touches him once. Yeah. She's like, get out of here.
0: <laughs> My problem with the skit. And I think Amy is flailing to try to save it because she's a fucking pro. Right. Yeah. I love Amy Buller.
1: She also has the juice, if, I think. And you can tell yes, this episode.
0: Yeah. If We say that they don't know what to do with Colin. He is literally just a sexy mannequin in this, right? He gets nothing to do but be groped. The skit could be funny if like there's more for him to play and more for him to react to than just discomfort, right? But they don't care enough about him as a performer. And that's what I think the issue is that they don't trust him with the material. They just want his hot body on screen. And it just kills, I think, any potential the skit has but to they be can't. actually funny. The thing that amazes me is so many of these
1: skits. So many of these skits are just look at Colin Farrell be handsome, and like yeah. we're gonna make a joke around that. And he's they've really done. So, they've done so <laughs> many other creative skits about people being attractive yeah. that like actually are funny. Yes, like they've pulled it off before. Okay. And they don't pull any of these off. Now, let
0: me let me throw yeah. this out here. Let me throw this out here. No evidence to suggest this at all. If you do a lot of reading about the production of SNL, there is kind of a sense that the show does sink or swim with the guests because of the need for the guests to not so much be Creative during the development of the show, but receptive during the development of the show. Right, like they're building these 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 bits around their guest host, and because they have like two days to write them, the yeah. you you will often hear that like if the SNL episode is bad, it's because the host was being very resistant to ideas that were being given. I do wonder if Colin was fucking checked out during the. The prep for this because he's coming I, I, Off the fucking like, Alexander opening yeah. Weekend like I'd be checked out too. this is kind of like The
1: worst two week period of his life At this like up His life to this point this is has like The kid, worst two weeks he's
0: had Has this kid been born when is this kid Yeah been, his kid
1: on? was born while he was filming While he was in prep for Alexander because It's um, that early we didn't speak about it In an interview with Conan O'Brien while he's on The Alexander tour he says that His son was born while he was at because they went to military boot camp um, to prep for Alexander.
0: His while son he born was born in two thousand three. Yeah.
1: While he was at military boot camp, his son was born. His
0: sister faxed him photographs of his son. Oh, that's off. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know if it's been diagnosed yet. Um, but I do know his son has Angelman syndrome, which is a pretty severe developmental uh disability. Yeah. Um his son is 20 now i know colin and and the model he had the kid with are not together but i do think they're still very content in, in um parenting the kid together and I, well, he's an adult now he's not a kid anymore um and i know colin's been very active about um uh he's been very involved in fundraising very involved yeah. in charities and awareness, an awareness group and like yeah. seems very very close to, to his eldest son um his son was it,
1: his guest to the Academy Awards, in fact. No, remember. his
0: younger son was his guest oh, his to the Academy son, Awards. Yeah. He brought his young, he he has a younger son, who we'll talk about that kid. Um, it is undeniably hard to have a child with a developmental disability and to and, and especially a very rare developmental disability that um is not diagnosed yet. Cause if the if the child is like a year old, like this is, I believe, when you would start to see like. Yeah. signs show because they're not developing verbal skills or not developing motor skills um and it's a rough it's it's a hard thing to do even if it works out for the best in the end and it does seem to work out for the best but i could see a lot of shit in his life is not going well these days to varying degrees
1: you know neither of us are parents but i imagine yeah. i imagine you have all of these fears of things going wrong yes. and then to have some of those fears start coming true is something that I can't imagine having to deal with. It's
0: stressful so, and yeah. like it works out for the best because, you know, the kid still gets to grow up and be an adult and, and, you know, as someone with physical and developmental disabilities, like I don't want to run it, but it is hard. It is, it, it is a hard place to be in. Um, Next kit is weekend update. Homophobia update. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you what I love about Weekend Update? Like, conceptually?
1: Uh, it is a, uh,
0: yeah. It is a beautiful snapshot of what was in the news in any given week, <laughs> yeah. and I know that sounds fallacious, but it's always fun to watch an old episode of SNL and be like, "Oh, that had no tail. Oh, that had no tail. Oh, we totally forgot this thing happened, right?" But because they have to just run through politics, culture, human interest, current events in like this ten-minute like free-for-all, you kind of get this nice snapshot of what was happening that day they filmed that episode. Yeah. Which is it's it's interesting as a historical archive. I wish I liked the Tina Amy pairing better, and I'm sorry. I think this is leading to my take of like,
1: this is kind of this is kind of emblematic of Colin's career up to this point as well, where it's like, SNL, a program with a reputation for being like, the highest quality of sketch comedy on television, yeah, Yeah it's he's hitting it at this moment where the writing is like at a deep dip yeah it's about to get better it was good it's at a dip right when he hits it it's about to get better and he seems to do this with he seems to do this with franchises with directors with screenwriters like it's it's kind of impressive that he's hitting like he's always missing he hits he hits Oliver Stone at the biggest Oliver Stone hit mit, miss that you could you could possibly. Yeah, undeniable. Get at. Then he hits SNL at like a pretty deep SNL dip that he could get SNL at. Miami Vice was not well received at the time.
0: Oh, it was you know? not well received at the, at the time, time.
1: He's hitting Michael Mann at a Michael Mann dip from huge you
0: know? Michael Mann dip.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So he's like dip 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 the whole way through <laughs> until he gets to improve almost. Yeah, at least in my memory. Honestly, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean. We will talk about it. Having been thinking more about his career, I truly think the in, the idea of in Bruges the comeback is overstated. Uh, I think I the think lobster, that's also true. I think the I, lobster is the comeback. I think it's I was frankly on the, a fallow period.
1: I think I think it might even I think it might extend like a year beyond the lobster. Well, I, I think I, I, I think
0: the lobster has slow repercussions. Is what I'm saying like it. But the lobster it has is slow the repercussions, that, yeah. but
1: I think there's something about the lobster that's so weird and his casting in it almost seems strange. And then I think when you hit the beguiled is when it's like this is what this man was designed to do. Yeah, this but, but it's but
0: he, he kind of gets the when... beguiled off the lobster. He no, I get gets, what you're
1: saying. He kind of get gets true detective. Saying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In Bruges, in Bruges is just the moment where people start taking him seriously as an actor. Yeah. And that's why I think people talk about it as the comeback. But if you actually look at what he books after In Bruges, it's interesting, but it's not like what he books after the Lobster. But well, even um, you're
1: looking at like Gregory Hoblit, like he hits him at a dip. Yeah, like he could have been in Primal Fear, but no, you know yeah. he hits him when he makes the the bloated war movie. Um, He gets onto the Affleck
0: train as Affleck's cratering.
1: Yeah, he gets onto the Affleck train as Affleck's cratering. He also, he's like, X-Men and Spider-Man had just come out. Superhero movies seem like like an automatic check. And he's in the one that is just a complete disaster from start to finish.
0: So I want to ask you something about this weekend update. But first I want to say, the first fucking joke in this fucking weekend update is just the fucking cold open of this fucking episode again. And I'm so (laughs) mad about it. In the clip of Donald
1: Rumsfeld, the real Donald <laughs>
0: Rumsfeld
1: is a lot funnier than the... Yeah, than Rumsfeld kind is. of
0: has <laughs> some, like, juice to him. Um, can you explain the sports stuff to me?
1: Oh, uh, hockey, the NHL... Right? Yeah, the NHL was on strike just because of uh, player association. It, it similar to what's going on with the WGA right now. Yeah. Um, they wanted more participation because in, in, the NHL had started making a lot of money around this time. Um, this is when the tv contracts and professional sports are like really ballooning um cole i don't know if you know this uh you might find this interesting because of our you know the country's recent love with the movie air but uh like professional athletes got paid well but they didn't get paid extraordinarily well until like the turn of the century it like is... in all and almost in all in all leagues they didn't get paid like that it until is... like 20 years ago
0: my my firm belief that in the year of our Lord 2023, uh, every single athlete is underpaid, even LeBron. He is still making more money. Have for you the heard owners. of a
1: man named Russell Westbrook, my friend? I Hold don't that.
0: know who that is. But I is look, Making, I would look is, up Russell
1: Westbrook. Is Murray. he making
0: more money than he is making for the team? Um, probably. Okay. Then maybe he's not underpaid. Yeah. He's not Russell underpaid, Westbrook, but the rest making, of them are underpaid.
1: I'll tell you, Russell Westbrook is a former MVP in the NBA, but uh, I, the NBA is probably the quickest changing league in terms of like trends and like what actually works on court versus what doesn't work on court. He's also older now and he's kind of a turnover monster and he can't shoot from three, um, but he's making MVP <laughs> salary because he... Had won the MVP in 2017, I think, um and he he has like proceeded to like he he played on the Lakers last year and was like almost the sole reason why they didn't make the playoffs. And he was on the Lakers at the beginning of the season and almost <laughs> prevented them from making the playoffs. <laughs> who are the Lakers? Who are currently in the playoffs after they traded away Russell Westbrook to another team? And he's just like a huge. Do you know what the salary cap is, Cole?
0: Yeah, I know. What, yeah, I know what the Yeah, cap
1: he's is. like just the biggest salary cap hit you could ever possibly yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah the nhl was on strike yeah. so there was no nhl being played at the time of this
0: i supposed to know who this guy who shows up is help I, me help me sportsy brain i need you i
1: i don't remember who he is i'm not i i my aunt and my two cousins are like insane hockey fans okay. they would almost definitely know who he is i imagine okay. um I, I I do not. I, I like hockey. I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world. Because um, I,
0: know, I know two hockey players, and this guy's not one of them.
1: The two <laughs> the, that you know. Martin I know Broder. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Who,
0: I'm sorry. Who did you say? Martin Broder. I do not know who that is. Okay. <laughs> I know Wayne Gretzky, Wayne and Gretzky. I know Doug the Thug, the character that Sean William Scott plays in the movie Goon.
1: Not Emilio Estevez. Uh, Mighty Never Ducks. Never
0: seen the Mighty Ducks. You know it's an uh, incredible movie? Is it's a Goon, Goon, by the way. Or is it Goon? Just it's Goon, just Goon. Goon. I movie mean, fucking rips.
1: Pick number 69. It'll be 69. hilarious.
0: It'll be hilarious. <laughs> I always cry a little when um, Allison Pill like starts earnestly screaming 69 at the end of that yeah. movie. Best
1: Sean William Scott performance?
0: Is in Southland Tales, but I I do nominate him for best actor for Goon. Uh, can I give you a hot take that's going to make you so mad?
1: <laughs> it's, is it about, does it involve the film draft day? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the scene in Goon where Sean William Scott and Leo Schreiber sit down in the diner and Leo oh, Schreiber don't say like, it,
1: just, don't say it, just don't fucking, say it. Just fucking don't say walk it.
0: away, kid. Don't is say it. the better version of the and Heat Fuck off, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, the highlight of this weekend update is that Colin Farrell comes on to be like, actually, Alexander the Great was very straight, and then everything he says about Alexander the Great is like. A deeply grown worthy gay pun. Like he had to beat off an entire yeah. Persian army, he beat them off with Greece. He man, uh
1: man. uh the the Greek navy of seamen filled the phalanx to yeah. what I and what we what spread their
0: yeah. flank and thrust inside, like man, yeah, man. we thrust it's so into obvious. the Persian rear he or seems something miserable, yeah. I did this. Is the moment he kind number of two. if you
1: look at his interviews he kind of loves talking about the fluidity of sexuality. I know
0: that's what I'm saying. And for him to get,
1: for him to get, for him to get forced to do this, I'm I'm assuming he was basically forced to do this on Saturday night live. He, he just, while he's saying it, he he has this look in his eyes of like, this is going to haunt me for the rest of my life.
0: We also, we might not be like that impressed with the bisexuality in Alexander, but like, it is worth noting. He made a home at the end of the world. He made Alexander and now he has to do these like hacky gay jokes. Uh, It's such a bummer.
1: He made a home at the end of the world. He made Alexander and he doesn't shy away from the. He doesn't shy away from the homoeroticism in Tigerland.
0: No, like he's we we, we said this. He's embraced this in a lot of his films. He's he's very comfortable. Like I said this and I think our first episode that he is like. He has that such supreme confidence in his own heterosexuality and his own heterosexual desirability that he has no fear of like male intimacy, right? Which is such a like a nice thing to see him be having these interviews because he's so fucking ahead of the curve with that shit. Um, I did moment number two. I laughed out loud in this episode. Was in Weekend Update though.
1: Is it when uh... I? I
0: wonder if you can guess what it is no
1: i'm not going to
0: they do a groan worthy um Lindsay lohan bit lohan okay bit. is it lohan... when
1: she's like is it when she's like and amy you're drunk right now it's no just like how it's dare right you i am before
0: <laughs> that that's pretty funny but so tina and oh Lindsay,
1: oh yeah. let me, the, let one, me say, the one let, the one you're about to say that made me laugh too that might be it's the best a great joke, joke. <laughs>
0: um the bit is that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey bring Lindsay Lohan on because they're trying to like get Lindsay Lohan to like act respectably and like get her career on track, right? And they're being very like mothering to her. Yeah. And at one point, she's like, You guys need to knock it off. Like, you aren't these people. Tina, you yourself once told me that you slept with a man so you could get into the movies. And Tina says, Yes, but in my defense, that was harder before they invented Fandango, <laughs> which is an A plus joke a yeah perfect joke
1: in a very in a very off-putting segment about how lindsay yeah. lohan is partying too much but it's okay yeah. Yeah. I,
0: again we oh it's so fucking the, the, the lindsay of it all just makes me so uncomfortable because so much of it when, was when she was a teenage girl um and like there's that fucking sml skit where she's playing hermione i don't know if you've seen at the one three
1: at three moments in this episode they comment on her breast size
0: Yes, like three but separate moments. But that's in the SNL. thing. This is my point. Yeah. SNL was doing that before she turned 18. Yeah, they were doing it when she was on the show before she turned 18. And then you're like, oh, Horatio Sanz is right fucking there. Right. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> all Horatio Sanz stuff is a legend. Um, then I think we have what I think is the best sketch of the show. Carol, the fat swinger. Carol, the fat swinger. Because but it'd be a million times funnier
1: with it'd any be other a million
0: times remember. funnier. But sure. the, the, the bit of this is that a bunch of like 70s weirdos have gathered uh to like have a key party. And Horatio Sands is playing Colin Farrell's wife, and she is like so nervous and bubbly about this that she keeps on forgetting their names and their safe words, which means that <laughs> what the skit actually is is just the camera panning down perfect, like headshot close up of the entire cast as they just repeat silly words and they just hit a rhythm of it. And you know what? It's a bulletproof formula. Uh, so
1: this it's, one, I
0: think it's funny. I think I don't even just... think
1: the words they say are funny
0: though. No, it's just the way yeah. they say it. It's just it's just the easiest layup in the world. What can I say? I like Horatio Sands is so bad, but Horatio Sands is not good in it. And you're right about Moynihan. That yeah. like it could be. An, it's just the bar is so low for this episode that like that that is an almost Sandbergy joke, right? Like that's the sort of thing you expect from like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig.
1: Yeah, but okay, so there's a couple things like that. That group that that I think in our lifetimes is kind of like the dream, the SNL dream team, the Sandberg, yes. Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader years. Sudeikis. I think what Sudeikis. Yeah. I think what separates them and Moynihan, I think what separates them from this is that they start off with the funny, they would, they always start off with the funny premise of like, we're, once you realize, once you realize that the structure of the joke is just them hitting a rhythm and railing off funny sounding words, then they add in, like, they add in an element that upturns, like, what you have understood the structure of the joke to be. And I think that's what makes those people and their their skits, like, comedic genius. And that's what makes this just, like, mediocre TV filler. Yes,
0: I agree with you. I also think Maya Rudolph is funny. Like, that's, That's my other thing, though, is it just it just hits like a light pleasure of like Forte and Rudolph and Faye doing silly voices, right? Like,
1: yeah, I I guess it's a layup.
0: It's a layup, right? It's an easy shot, but it works.
1: Watching them miss so hard with some of these And I'm not saying this one's a hard miss But just thinking of this episode as a whole Is like this is the reason why Tim Robinson was never going to work on SNL Yes If this is what the SNL expectations are This is the reason why Tim Robinson was never going to happen And this is why he's on for He's on for a season Before they ask him to leave
0: Yeah yeah. it It is very interesting seeing And I guess these are like Somewhat sequential to each other but Key and Peele coming out from Mad TV, which is like the the, the mm-hmm. SNL also rants a away. And then Tim Robinson being this like SNL reject figure. And those two teams having this almost like savant-like understanding of what the structure of a sketch should be in terms of rhythm and pacing and how to end it. And SNL having never, even when it's at its best, never having that sort of like platonic structural brilliance to it, that these, these guys coming up from the SNL dregs in a way can do so effortlessly. Whereas SNL needs good people to elevate bad material, and it always has. Yes, I think that is the
1: element of it. That's what makes it what it is, that it's yeah. live, that they only have like a week, five days to produce. That
0: really, dessert. it is five days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because obviously they, takes, they take Sunday off. Monday's kind of like uh, we're throwing Wh-
0: Wednesday, Wednesday is really when they get started. Yeah. And then by Thursday, they kind of need to be like into rehearsals
1: Thursday. They kind of have to make the decisions of like. This is too ambitious. This is not never going to make it yeah. like in time. We have to replace yes. it with a I, idea, yeah.
0: I don't think it's an accident that the most iconic SNL stuff of the 21st century are pre-taped skits from a separate team because <laughs> because it is yeah. the Lonely Island stuff, right? And yeah, like yeah, that. That like I know Yorma and Akiva did a little writing proper on SNL, but really it was like they wrote with Sandberg their own self-contained things, and they could do that independent of the greater SNL machine. And those are structured so even much now, tighter.
1: Even now, the please don't destroy stuff is the stuff that's that, that's a lot of times the better stuff out of the episodes it that are being put is. Out there.
0: Yeah. is you see more so than I think you see with Lonely Island. I think you see a desire to integrate that into the mains of the show more mm-hmm. because have you, how much did you know about those guys before they came on SNL? Uh,
1: I didn't know anything about them before they came okay. on SNL. I had maybe seen like a YouTube video of theirs or not, but Cole, yeah. uh, you were not at our commencement
0: no you. i wasn't yeah, i skipped Ad, it
1: adam sandler speaks about them they're or real spoke about them yeah they're
0: so funny but they're like their snl stuff is good and it's probably the best stuff on snl now the stuff they were doing in their apartments like on fucking twitter before yeah, they yeah. got hired is like so much funnier than what they're doing on snl that is and, also like, true it, it doesn't super translate I think. To SNL and I think it's because I am just going to say this Any given please don't destroy Skit is going to be built around The host to a degree that any Given Lonely Island skit was Not
1: Yes yeah
0: if the Lonely Island I had, don't think
1: any of the Lonely Island skits Are built around the host
0: of the episode of I which think the just the, Jake, the Timberlakes
1: I don't think yeah. he I think Dick in a Box I don't think He was the host of that episode Man, Wow yeah
0: yeah I feel like, yeah, if 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 they brought in famous people, though, famous people would be there for their skits. Um,
1: I'm going to look this up right now, but if I understand yeah. correctly, like the narrative, I understand of Dick in a Box. Um, it was like a cold offer to Justin Timberlake and he was like, sure, I guess I'll do this. Like it's they so had. Funny. Yeah.
0: No, Justin Timberlake was the host of that SNL episode. Okay, so it's the but other still, ones that
1: he's not the like, host
0: of. If you think about the other big guest appearances, on well, it's
1: T Pain, T Pain,
0: it's Katie Michael Carey. it's Michael Bolton. Like that doesn't necessarily a yeah. con. That doesn't necessarily one to one. And maybe it's because it's doing music. Did you see the the please don't disgrace skit that was like the Molly Shannon video game?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: They did that yeah. with Shailene, Shailene Woodley. Like that's a remake of an older skit of theirs, and it's so much funnier when Shaylene Woodley's not there commenting on it, because it's so weirder that it would be that that idea. Um, we got even hurry.
1: beyond the songs. Even beyond the songs, I think of um, the Laser Cats stuff.
0: There's so. Lovely
1: Island will do. Yeah. So- <laughs>
0: I was watching some of their their early YouTube stuff the other day and that's the thing is like it's so funny it's so weird you give them money and they figured out how to like translate that particular energy to uh to to to, to SNL which is a bummer cuz i don't think they've ever translated it to a movie
1: i think they did in Hot Rod because I See, think I, a lot I of their don't... humor, I think what makes the digital shorts and this goes against the the actual like concept of SNL is that they can edit. Yes. Yeah. There's in one of the Laser Cats episode, it's like I think it's the episode that Lindsay Lohan is hosting a later episode that Lindsay yeah. Lohan is hosting after this Colin Farrell one came out and it's like the whole idea of Laser Cats is that they're filming a mo- uh, like a movie without telling anybody that they're yes. filming a movie. So he like Lindsay Lohan is eating lunch in the 30 Rock cafeteria and Andy Samberg runs up. It starts like saying like Princess like we're here to save you from the evil Lord or something like that. And Lindsay Lohan's like will you guys get away from me? And then it hard cuts to Rachel Dratch with a wig on to look like Lindsay Lohan saying like oh thank you for saving me. I will go and have sex with you right now. <laughs>
0: You know what I mean? And think? it's like you know that is a
1: concept that you just like cannot achieve in SNL because it's live.
0: I I remember, I think this is the crux of my distinction between how SNL treated the Lonely Island, and how they're treating Please Don't Destroy. And again, I like a lot of the Please Don't Destroy stuff. But one of the first please don't destroy skits is the one is three sad virgins. I don't know if you know this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Here's what Is it three, Taylor Swift is in that? That's what I'm saying. Here's what three sad virgins actually is. It is Pete Davidson and Taylor Swift repeatedly being like, this is Martin. This is John. This is Ben. Here is an insult at Martin, who is the only one on screen. And we say his name. Here's an insult at Ben. Who's the only one on screen. And we say his name, John, do you get what I'm saying? It is the two. It is the most famous person on SNL. And one of the most famous people on the planet being like, Here are these three. Accept them. Know their individual quirks. They would never do that with the Lonely Island because the Lonely Island were left to their own devices. But please don't destroy from the jump or being like future of the show, future of the fucking show. And I think there's a little meddling to them that hampers them. We got to fucking hurry.
1: (laughs) I know. Yeah, we're running out of time. Um, The next... uh... The, the next skit I titled Keenan Thompson's The Window Cleaner. I also quite liking liked, I liked of, this uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he Keenan Thompson is a, a, a window cleaner who's on the verge of retirement. And Colin Farrell is a street news reporter um, who's been sent on the what do you call those things?
0: The window you know? cleaning like yeah. thingy. You know, like the things that they like, the <laughs> the scaffold the, the scaffolding that like wheels yeah. up and down, right? Um, and they're like 64 fleas They're 64 stories up, and they're out the window. And the team can't get their cameras to work. Uh, and Colin is stressed. You know what I liked about this skit? Colin Farrell gets to play a character. They
1: call it just a lift.
0: It's a hydraulic. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. lift. No, that's Col- what I'm saying. It's like
1: yeah. he gets he gets to be a person in this one where he's he's getting to embody somebody else, which is what he does in the Bono. Skit, and he's so that he, funny that he doesn't do in any of the other ones
0: yeah. yeah and it's funny like it's an obvious joke that like he's afraid it's rickety uh they keep getting attacked by birds right like it's he's wearing it's cologne it's <laughs> hacky stuff and keenan is just on fucking fire oh my god colin
1: also gets to wear like a fun wig and uh yeah, he's doing yeah. a decent American accent
0: too. He's doing a good American like accent on the spot. But again, you put him with Keenan, and it's like I think it's partly that he gets to play a character and do actual bits, and partly that he's just working with Keenan. He is Colin is so much more locked in and on fire in this game than anything else. Yeah, it's it's probably actually the best one of the night. Uh because Keenan. You know, like I said, you give. Keenan I think the just
1: ball. the con- I think that just the concept of this one is genuinely funny. That it's yeah, it's like a good. He's stuck on he's stuck on the the high, the lift and the camera guy. It's like he runs out of uh, tape and then he runs out of battery and yeah. and college is out there. You one need a third thing. People. That
0: was the thing. Yeah. This one weirdly, every other skit goes on too long and kind of. That's what I'm out. saying because it gets this to the point where Keenan.
1: This one gets to the point where they're like, we ran out of funny things to happen, and yeah. Keenan just jumps off the lift. He yeah. like literally <laughs> dies by suit. Super- Suicide, his character in this, He's and it's so fucking funny. It's so weird. He's yeah. the fucking
0: best to ever. Do it, man. I should watch a sitcom. I know no one watched it, but it's probably never seen it. um. I named it
1: Keenan Thompson's the window cleaner because I want to see like a Lee Daniel style movie about yes. the window
0: cleaner, <laughs> the life uh, of the window cleaner. What'd you call this next one?
1: Um, I initially wrote down I don't understand what's happening. And then at the end, when the like name pops up on the screen, it's uh Pat and Patty slack snacks and Nicknack shack.
0: Have you ever heard the expression 10 to 1?
1: Uh I don't know. so this
0: is a this is an internal SNL thing. Like this is a this is a thing that they've always said on the show because Saturday Night Live. In the East Coast runs from 12:30 to one in the morning, right? That's its time slot. Yeah. Um apparently since like the early days, well, maybe not the early days of the show, because the early days were a lot weirder, but they've used the expression 10 to 1, which is basically them saying, like, if someone pitches a skit and it's just fucking weird and no one really gets it, they'll say, Yeah, maybe it's the 10 to one. And the idea is that like it's the ten last minutes to one, 10 minutes to one. Yeah. It is the last skit of the night. And if you watch a lot of SNL, you will notice that like, oh, they do this a lot. The last skit will often just be some weird shit that feels like it is just meant to appease one writer and is often very good. The yeah, idea there's... being that if the show ends up running long, they can cut it. It's the easy cut to make, right?
1: There is, there is like a like two-year stretch where you can tell that each one of those is John Mulaney's. Yes. Like it's a John Mulaney-ish. Yes. And then, yeah, the one season that Tim Robbins... He might have been on for more yeah. than one season. He was only know on for a fact... Season. Yeah, the one season Tim Robinson is on, almost every Tim Robinson skit is the 10-to-1 1, one that yeah. plays right when the episode's ending.
0: This isn't the literal 10-to-1, yeah. but it feels like it because literally this is just... Maya Rudolph, Horatio Sanson, and Colin Farrell saying words that rhyme really fast.
1: Do they rhyme? That's the they other question. They kind of rhyme. They, like, don't even really rhyme.
0: <laughs> That's, which the, joke, why, which That's the why though. That's Which is why
1: it starts happening. They're so weird, and it starts happening so fast, which is why I was like, I just wrote, I don't understand what's happening in this. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was trying to tune in And be like are they rhyming stuff And it's like no they're literally just saying words That have an A in the middle of the word Like that's, that's cool that's literally the, the, the yeah. There's an A in the middle Of the
0: well, word that, Yeah mostly <laughs> Yeah. This is the one I think this is actually the best use of Colin All night Yeah. Uh, because like I said I wrote down earlier Like where is dimwitted sweetheart Colin Because I feel like that is the comedic lane he is best at doing right. When I say they don't understand how to use him. I'm like, where's that energy? My only note for this skit is, Oh, there he is. Cause he's that's very, I love he's what doing he's wearing. That.
1: Cause he's wearing like a stained bowling polo. That's yeah. really tight tucked into khakis. And he has like Reebok pumps from like 1988 on. <laughs> it's like the weirdest outfit ever.
0: Yeah. I had a good time with this stupid skit. I, I like these SNL skits that are just like, this is just a dumb bit. This is doing.
1: this this one is the one where you're like, okay, Maya Rudolph also has the juice. Yeah, Keenan well, uh, Thompson gets to have the juice. Maya and Amy Rudolph. Poehler kind of has the juice. Yeah. And then this this one's the one where it's like, Maya Rudolph also has the
0: juice. Maya Rudolph is like yeah. one of the best to ever do it in any context ever. Uh, I would like her to actually star in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie.
1: I know. I don't understand. I feel like that they're that circling
0: either. it. Cause she, she gets bigger and bigger roles every time.
1: I I feel like it's one of those things where Paul Thomas Anderson. I feel at first, also the movies he was making at the time don't yeah. they didn't really like suit Maya Rudolph, but like everything from Inherent Vice on feels like yes. him trying as hard as like and like. I think I think the Phantom Thread press run broke him because he said publicly so many times that the Phantom Thread was inspired by his wife loving him the most when he's I sick and she know. has to take care of him. And every, obviously, everybody knows that his wife is Maya Rudolph. And I think because of that, and because people thought that was like a funny anecdote to say about this film, I think it kind of like freed him up to be like, okay, am I allowed to put her in one of my movies now? Because I think before well, she had then, been in,
0: she had been in in her advice
1: yeah but i'm saying very small role i'm saying i think up until that point he was like i don't really necessarily know if i'm allowed to like showcase my wife in this movie and you know he had been in high profile relationships before being with my rudolph and i think he like really values his relationship with my rudolph as being like something pure that's out of the spotlight and i don't think he necessarily wants to like I'm projecting all of this by sure. the way. I have like, no idea what I'm talking about. But I do I do feel like it's an inevitability that it'll happen someday and he's also someone who's not like Tarantino in the in saying that like I'm going to retire and have a perfect Ugh. filmography. He he's very clearly somebody who's like I just want to make movies forever. That's what I want. Here's
0: do. my thing about PTA. And if listeners want to remember when I ranked PTA's movies a few weeks back, you probably not surprise you. I think PTA is the best living director of the film comedy. That is absolutely his strength. And the less comedic his movies are, the less interested I am in them.
1: Well, you know that I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, sure. But he is. I know you don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's not like he handles comedy extraordinarily well
0: phantom Um, thread is one of the greatest romantic comedies ever made you know what else is one of the greatest romantic comedies ever made liquor's pizza you know what else is kind of one of the greatest romantic comedies ever made weirdly inherent vice so when i say i would like maya rudolph to be the lead in a paul thomas anderson movie i'm just like why the fuck are the two of you leaving this on the table (laughs) i know what you could do together
1: God, I want to. Watch I wish you. I wish out. you would have hit me with that take earlier, so I could think about it. Because right, I, but there just I've are said no said
0: that to you
1: in real life. You have definitely not said. that I definitely have life. that he's the best comedy filmmaker alive right now. Maybe ever. I just don't know if that's true. His
0: movies are so
1: funny. I mean, that's tr- I'm saying that's yeah. true. I just don't know if he's the greatest ever. Maybe it feels like a stretch to
0: me. Maybe who you got? Who you got? Um, Gun to your head. Got nobody. You got nobody because no one's got it like Paul's got it.
1: I gotta think. I gotta think. Give me one second. I think Preston Sturgis was.
0: Preston fire. Sturgis is pretty fucking good. Yeah, you I think Preston Liquor's Sturgis
1: P- is the best comedy filmmaker ever.
0: You know, you know what, Licorice Pizza basically is a Preston Sturgis movie. Is that is thing. true.
1: You know what? Have you seen the Miracle of Morgan's Creek? Yeah, I've seen that. Might be movie. the funniest movie I've ever seen. Like that, that
0: movie is. Have you seen Unfaithfully Yours? Because that might be the funniest. Movie. <laughs>
1: that is also true.
0: Okay, can we agree that Paul Thomas Anderson is the contemporary Preston Sturgis?
1: I think that's. I think that's. I think true.
0: Yeah. that's it. And if if the movies he has made post the Master and There Will Be Blood or any indication, I think he has gotten being a serious dramatist out of his system. And when he makes a movie that seems like he's making a serious dramatic movie, uh, it's a rom-com about shitting and farting. <laughs> I fucking loved, I love Phantom Thread so much. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, which is insane.
1: Oh, from the beginning, from the beginning, I was like, uh, this is one of the best movies ever. Yeah, that was a... The, did that and The Favorite come out in the same year? No, you're a part. I actually think Lanthimos is up there for... I don't think he's as funny as Paul Thomas Anderson. but you I know I'm like
0: quietly on at the most hater, right? We're gonna have I, some I, yeah, yeah, fun no, conversations.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, one last skit because we gotta wrap this up because I have to go. Uh for once we're doing a short episode, gang. Uh, an hour 45. Um the last skit. Uh this is a guess a recurring Chris Parnell character named Merv the Perv, who's just like a guy who comes in and says gross stuff, which I can't I can't imagine is a good skit normally. The no. bit here is that he's brought his English cousin, Steve the skeeve doing it. And so Colin is also just saying like incredibly gross jokes to the women in this room. But except because, because
1: he's European, they're like, oh my God. I think it's charming. Look at this guy. Yeah. I think, I think he kind of lands. It does. Oddly, oddly enough, it does. Not the Chris Parnell stuff, though. No, the Parnell
0: stuff doesn't. (laughs) The Colin stuff is um, it's a good use of his public persona. Right. He's
1: kind of doing like an incredible impression of somebody doing an incorrect Timothy Dalton impression.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's a good use of his like public horn dog persona and a much better use of his horn dog persona than the pickup artist shit in the beginning. And it's funny to see yeah. like it's funny to see him like see a woman as pregnant, get down on his knees, whisper in his belly, uh, move over, little fella, there's about to not be any room. And see Maya <laughs> Rudolph like swoon over this disgusting thing he says. Uh
1: he also has like it's clever. Uh, he also has um like a horrible mustache, but yeah. within the context of again him being European, it's kind of like a cool mustache that a European might have. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's again, it's an obvious joke. Is it the most well executed? No, but like weirdly, I think in the back end of this episode, like Colin starts locking in. And maybe it's that he's like gotten the jitters out. Um
1: I couldn't help but think of uh when Margot Robbie hosted um, I don't a few think years I've seen that one. because it's a very similar the like the entirety of the episode is a very very similar premise where Margot Robbie who's a good actress I I don't want to get into that um I think she's a good actress I'll just I'll leave it at that for now without talking about her career um but they're How they're do doing nothing to talk they're doing career. nothing about her. There's there's no acknowledgement in the in the episode itself about her skill as an actor, and it's all just about how hot she is. Oh yeah, like every single skit is about how hot she is. But there's one that generally makes me laugh, where it's uh like Keena Thompson's a reporter on the site of a land um of a sinkhole, and she's standing there with uh,
0: uh yes, with, It's the first. It's with first Mikey Day. They she's standing there with that. Mikey
1: Day. Yeah it's the first time they did this one though. Yeah. It's and it's the reason why they stick. do it again. Yeah. She's standing there with Mikey day and they're like, eyewitness accounts of watching the single happen. And then it, Mikey days wearing like a fanny pack. And I think he has like Crocs on and his name is Matt. Shatt and, <laughs> and it's revealed that she's married to him and Keena Thompson, like can't literally can't comprehend <laughs> like how Mikey day landed, how this version of Mikey day landed, uh, the, the, the,
0: oh, the thing that works about that skit and why I think it's actually a good contrast to um, the hot Colin stuff in this episode, think that skit and when they repeated it with Jennifer Lopez, the joke isn't just that Mikey Day is dorky and he's married to this beautiful bombshell. It's that every single detail you find out about Mikey Day makes him a lamer and yet... The wife is not just hot, but is like incredibly accomplished and rich yes, yeah. and successful. And she is for some reason settled for this loser, which is a good like upping the joke from the obvious visual punchline that opens it, right?
1: And it's also and it's also like I think in in both cases, the Margarabi and the JLo one, and there may be a third it's revealed that the loser that the the wife is like much more in love with him than he is yeah. with her and There's that he's a, like he's like on the verge of leaving her for somebody else i think it's revealed in yeah. both of those the the, well. the, the
0: the punchline of the j-lo one is j-lo saying like we have an open relationship and yeah. keenan being like that explains everything and then JLo goes i'm not super in love with it but you know you can't keep this stallion fenced in yeah. And Keaton like freaks out Um, <laughs> But that is the Colin Farrell episode Of SNL it kind of sucks Connor I am so sorry
1: Literally don't watch it nobody watch it Don't watch <laughs> it um, zero. We
0: this. will be continuing yeah. to Cover television on this Podcast we are mostly going To be covering the prestige TV That Colin does later in his career Because that is mostly the television He does but next week We got another oddity. Mm -hmm. We got a guest for that one. So that's going to be fun. Next week, before we get to the new world, we will be talking about the, let me pull up the information. So I have this right. The fifth episode of the fourth season, the American television program Scrubs, the only real TV guest appearance Colin ever made. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, I do want to shout out our one listener in Singapore. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but I think that we have a. Li- it's cool that we have a listener in Singapore. So Singapore, yeah, it's wild. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm uh, amazed we
1: have a listener. Yeah, like that's thanks. that's that's insanity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Connor, plug the Instagram
1: at above the title pod. Oh boy, I haven't done
0: anything. Like it's that okay. Uh, yeah, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Please tell a friend and uh, come back next week. Um, for us to be talking about Scrubs, I think that's gonna be a really fucking fun episode. I'm super excited. We're going back to a certain <laughs> pizzeria. We're gonna keep doing.
1: We're gonna keep doing TV. If we do another yes. actor after Colin, we're gonna do TV. Maybe we did not. not know. We did not know that this was going to be the worst SNL I, episode in
0: history. I map. don't want to promise that we will do every like odd guest appearance a future actor does. Uh, is easy to say yes for Colin because there's so little of it. Yeah. Um, but we're certainly going, we are thinking of television as part of the big project. This is not a cowardly podcast like some other podcast I could name that is too afraid to cover every episode of Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, but yeah, join us next week for the Great Strubs episode. Uh, until then, uh, fuck Horatio Sands. I can feel it coming I've been